0: Stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord. We're looking today in the book of Hebrews chapter number 13, and we're going to read verse number 4 this morning. Hebrews chapter number 13 we're going to read verse number four. We're in a brand new series we began last Sunday. I'm calling Home Improvement. By the way, if you were not here last Sunday, I encourage you to go online and listen to that message. It is a foundation to this series of messages on home improvement. And uh, also, if, uh, if you miss uh, one of these uh, services in the next few weeks, get online and get caught up and. And uh, let's let's see if we can see some home some homes improved. How many believe we need some home improvement? Amen. Amen. Well, in the book of Hebrews, chapter number thirteen and verse number uh, four, uh, the writer writes there and he says, "Give honor to marriage, and remain faithful to one another in marriage." God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. Let me read the first part of that verse again: "Give honor to marriage and remain faithful." To one another in marriage. This morning, we're going to talk about 10 commandments of marriage, 10 commandments of marriage. Father, I thank you, Father, for your incredible, incredible word. Father, I thank you that your word, God, not only will get us to heaven, but God, I thank you that your word also will help us to live our life. God, I thank you, Lord, that your word is very, very practical, and I thank you for the pra- practical application of your word. God, I just pray today that your anointing will rest upon the message, the messenger Lord today. Give us ears to hear your word. Father, may our homes be improved. May we uh, improve our marriages as we put in practice what we receive from your word. All of these things we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. You may be re-seated this morning. As I've already stated, we are in a series I'm calling Home Improvement. Last Sunday... Uh, in laying a foundation for this series, we discovered that every home could use some improvement, and most homes could use a lot. Well, today I'm going to give you the first part of what I'm calling the Ten Commandments of Marriage. Today I'm going to give you five do's, or five things that you should do in your marriage. If you want your marriage to be successful, if you want to see improvement in your marriage, do these five Things Next Sunday, we will talk about five don'ts or five things you should not do if you want to have a successful marriage. Now, I want to begin this morning with a disclaimer, and the disclaimer is I don't claim to be an expert in marriage, but I do have 44 years of experience in the same marriage with the same woman, so I don't. Claim to be an expert, but I do have a lot of experience. I have also read many, many books and have invested a ton of hours in the study of this subject. I can also say I love being married most of the time. (laughs) You're perfect, I'm not. Now, before I give you the five do's of a successful marriage, I thought it would be kind of fun to sit down and write my top ten requirements of a mate. If I were looking for a mate today, I'm not, let's get that out of the get that clear. But if I were looking for a mate today, what would my top ten requirements be for my mate? And I sat down, and I spent some time, and I thought about it, and I made a list of the top ten things I would require uh, in in my mate. Now, if you are single and looking for a mate, you should have some requirements for your prospective mate. Here's a thought. Perhaps the reason why you haven't found Mr. Wright or Miss Wright is because you don't even know who you are looking for. So since you don't know who you are looking for, you won't know whether you find that one or not. In fact, how will you know if someone is the right someone if you don't even know what or who you are looking for? How many know that makes a little bit of sense? All right, here's my top ten requirements for a mate. No booze, please. My top ten requirements for mate. Number one, they must be attractive. I didn't say they have to look like Miss America, but there must be some physical attraction. You say, Pastor, physical attraction is overrated. I say, not much. So, if I were looking for a mate today that person would have to be attractive didn't say they'd have to look like Miss America but they must, there must be some physical attraction there must be some chemistry there must be a physical spark see, see how can you light uh, the flame of passion without a spark alright let's move on that went over so well <laughs> second requirement if I were looking for a mate today would be they would have to be authentic. Authentic. The person must be the real deal. Nothing plastic for me. You're reading a lot more into it than I intended. But it is rather funny. I might make an exception. Number three, they must be amiable. They must be good natured. They must be pleasant. They must be low maintenance. (laughs) See, see, I would not be looking for a drama queen. I'm, I'm telling you, I could not handle high maintenance. It's my list, not yours. Number four, they must be affectionate. Doesn't mean they have to be touchy-feely. But I have to know this person is into me as much as I am into them. I'll tell you, that's the way it is in my whole life. That's the way it is with my friends. If my friends are not into me, then I'll make other friends. Same way as the church. I've never wanted to pastor a church where a church didn't want me. If the church don't want me, I don't want them. Because there's a church out there that does want me somewhere. I'm just being transparent this morning. Number five. they must be amusing. Someone who knows how to have fun. Not serious 100% of the time. Number six. This person must be admirable. They must have the respect of others. There must be somebody I can be proud of. Somebody can say I'm proud, this is my wife. <clears throat> Number 7, this person must be affirming. Must be someone who reassures me. Someone who makes me feel good about being me. Not someone that's trying to change me, but somebody who accepts me for who I am, loves me for who I am, affirms me for who I am, someone who makes me feel good about being me, someone who is my biggest fan. Number eight, this person, if I were looking for a mate today, must be appreciative. I'd be looking for a thankful person, someone who appreciates what I do for her, appreciates what I do for our family, someone who appreciates what God does for us, a thankful person. Number nine, if I were looking for a a mate today, I'd be looking for someone who was ambitious, a doer. I would be looking for a doer. Someone who, who, who possesses possesses some dreams and has some goals for their life. Someone who doesn't always have to play it safe, but is willing to take some calculated risks. Calculated risk. And number 10, if I were looking for a mate today, number 10, which is actually another number one, and that is, I would be looking for someone who was absolutely sold out to Jesus. Someone that loves the Lord even more than she loves me. So there you have it this morning, my top 10 requirements for a mate, and in my opinion, I found that person 44 years ago in my wife Dawn. All right, enough of that. Let's get started on my Ten Commandments of Marriage. We're starting with five do's. And the first do this morning is this, love unconditionally. If you want to have a successful marriage, if you want to uh, increase the success in your marriage, if you want to make your marriage better, then love unconditionally. Excuse me, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 25 The writer says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave his life for her. Here's what we need to understand about unconditional love. First of all, unconditional love is a choice. If you love unconditionally, that means that you choose to love. You choose to love regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the situation. I hope I don't get myself in trouble here this morning, but I'm just transparent, so I'll just go ahead for it. I love every single person in this room. But some of you are easier to love than others are. Because some of you are sweet, and some of you are kind, and some of you are supportive of me and supportive of my vision for this church, and some of you are like cheerleaders for me. and a few of you are like dragging a ball and chain around I have to drag you through the next step every single time seldom do you hear expressions of appreciation or enthusiasm for what's going on around. But I love you as much as I love that person that is always in my corner and that person that is always cheering me on. Why? Why? Because over 25 years ago, I made a brand new commitment. And the commitment that I made new was not to preach better sermons, but the commitment that I made was that I was going to love people like I had never loved people ever before. I was going to love every person. and I was going to love without condition. Twenty-five years ago, I made a commitment to love unconditionally. This principle should be adhered to in every single marriage. We should choose to love our spouses regardless of the situation or the circumstances. I'm pretty sure your wedding vows said something like this for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, for sickness and in health to love and to cherish till death do us part. First commandment of marriage is love unconditionally. Unconditional love is a choice, but not only is unconditional love a choice. Unconditional love is also a commitment. It's a commitment. And I asked you this morning, whatever happened to commitment? No one wants to commit to anything these days. We live in a disposable society. We throw away everything these days. When something breaks, we don't fix it like Grandpa did. No, no, we throw it away, and we go get us the latest and the greatest. My family loves to make fun of me because I don't get all goo-goo-eyed over the latest and greatest phone or techie device. You see, I was taught if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I was taught if it does break, fix it, don't just throw it away. And this throw it away and get another one mentality has crept into marriage today. And so now the attitude is, let's ride along in this marriage as long as the road is smooth. But the moment the road gets a little bit bumpy, we're going to jump out of this marriage and we're going to jump on into another. But the problem is, it's not long into the new marriage until some of the same old problems pop up that were in the old marriage. Now let me pause just for a moment. Please understand that one size doesn't fit all. Please understand there are exceptions to every rule. Please understand I don't have time to dot every I and cross every T in this series. So understand I'm not saying that, I'm not saying you should stay in an abusive marriage. I'm not saying there is never a place for divorce. There is. The Bible tells us those exceptions and they are abuse. Abandonment and adultery. Other than for one of these reasons, God's best for us is till death do us part. (laughs) And murder should not be considered here. And I want to say this this morning. I want to say this this morning. If you are divorced, I'm not picking on you. If you are divorced this morning, there is life after divorce. Divorce is not the unpardonable sin. God can still bless you. He can still use you. He can still put your life back together. But that's another series. We're talking about marriage right now. So I'm trying to keep people married. So remember that. Notice the second commandment marriage. Learn how to understand your mate. Learn how to understand your mate. First Peter chapter 3 and verse number 7 says, Husbands, give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. Notice the words with understanding. How many times have you heard somebody say about their mate, well, well I just don't understand them. Or, or they just don't understand me. Here's what we need to learn this morning that is, men and women are different. Well, duh. But I'm not just talking about body parts. Men and women are different in every sense of the word. They're different physically, and thank God for the difference. They're different emotionally, they're different mentally. they're even different spiritually let me let help the guys out a little bit ladies your husband doesn't feel everything you feel in the service men we walk by faith and not by feelings okay so just because you have goosebumps doesn't necessarily mean your husband has them. Doesn't make him a bad person. He's just different emotionally. He's made up different than you. And so his emotions, when God touches his emotions, they'll be different than when he touches yours. Here's what we need to learn. Men and women are different. Number two, men are logical, here, Or for instance, here it is. For instance, men are logical. Women are emotional. Men are logical. Women are emotional. For men, 2 plus 2 has to add up to 4. In everything. Because for men, we base every single decision... On logic. We run the numbers. We list the pros and the cons. We add it all up. And then we make our subtractions. And then we divide the total. And that's how we make decisions. We are logical. Not not the woman. No, no. She goes by what she feels. By what she feels. How does this... Feel is our number one concern and criteria for making a decision. And let me tell you what I have learned after 44 years of marriage. Well, After I do all of my calculating, I do my adding and my subtracting and my multiplying and my dividing. After I do all of my calculating, if my wife says to me, but honey, I just don't feel good about it. I've learned that no matter what my logic says, no matter what the numbers say on the paper or on the calculator, if my wife says to me, honey, I don't have a good feeling about this, let me tell you, I'm not going to do it. Sometimes I go, you know, dragging my heels. But here's another example of the difference between men and women. Men need respect. Women need love. Now, understand, both men and women, they both need respect and love. But the greatest need of a man is not love. It's respect. The greatest need of a man is to be respected. And the greatest need of a woman is to be loved. And so, lady, you need to show your husband respect. And, sir, you need to make sure your woman knows you love her. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 33, Paul writes, he says, again I say, or he's saying, let me emphasize this. He says, a man must love his wife as he loves himself, and a woman must respect her husband. So learn how to understand your mate. Pay attention. Study them. Read books about marriage. Go to marriage retreats and marriage seminars. Come to church the next few weeks. Make an investment in your marriage. Let me, let me uh, suggest a couple of books for you to get and, and to read. They're old books. You might have to have them even ordered. I don't know. They've been around a long time. There might be a lot better ones around today. But I know these are good and they'll really help you. The one, is, uh, one book is called His Needs, Her Needs. See, the problem is we think about our needs, and so we try to do that for our, our companion, hoping they will do that back to us, but their needs are different than ours. And then we're all frustrated. His needs, her needs. His needs are not hers. Hers are not his. They're different. Read that book. Find out. His needs, her needs. Another one is the, 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 the love language book. Book on love languages. Teaches you how people give and receive love. You know, you've been doing all this stuff for your, for your wife or your husband, and they're not appreciative, and they're not responding. It's not doing any good. Well, you're not speaking their love language. Whole other sermon. Get that book. it would be good for you. All right. Notice the third commandment of marriage. We're talking about the Ten Commandments of Marriage. Number three this morning, the third commandment of a successful marriage is laugh often. Laugh often. Proverbs chapter 17 and verse number 22 says, A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. Let me make two suggestions this morning. Number one, continue dating. Don't stop dating just because you got married. And see, fellas, one of the things about us is we're goal-oriented. And so we go after a goal. And then we'll do anything, man, to to reach our goal. But after we reach our goal, then we're ready to go to another goal. And so when we're looking for that mate, man, we'll wind them and we'll dine them. Man, we'll turn into Prince Charming. And we'll do backflips, and we'll do everything. And we'll date them and we'll do all of these things. And then when she says, I do, then we stop. Because we've reached our goal. We got it. Now we're focusing on something else. Well, let me tell you something. You know, with 50% of marriages ending in divorce, you better understand that's not your goal, a one-time goal. Now your goal is to keep them. So whatever it took to get them, you better do that to keep them reason why I don't do a bunch of backflips and crazy and weird stuff that a lot of pastors do to try and draw people. Because I know if that's what I did to draw you in here, I'm going to have to keep doing it to keep you. And I don't do backflips very well. So what I try to do is I try to give you the same quality every single service. Not just one grandiose thing to get a big old crowd. And then when they come back, then the real guy shows up. Does that make any sense? Don't stop dating just because you got married. Go places together. Do things together. Continue to have fun. And because you are married, you get to play house at the end of the date. Now let me throw this in. Let me throw this in for good measure. If you're in financial trouble, you have to get creative in your dating. Find a way to have quality dates that aren't too expensive. Remember that when you were dating before you got married, the time you spent together was more important than the places you went. So if you're in trouble financially, don't dig a deeper hole by dating these, you know, spend all this money on these big elaborate dates, but learn how to have a date with a, you know, a picnic at the park. Now, 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 Mr. Tightwad, if your finances are in order, you need to spend some money on her, okay? And then the second suggestion is this, cultivate similar interest. Cultivate similar interest. Find some things that you both like to do, and when you find something that you both like to do, then do that as often as you can. And be willing to give a little bit. Be willing to give a little bit. Do you know what you like to do and then do what she likes to do and vice, and vice versa. Alternate between the things you like to do most of the time. Let me tell you, I watch Hallmark, lovey-dovey, cheesy movies. Why would I watch Hallmark, lovey-dovey, cheesy movies within, last night we were watching one and within five minutes I said she's going to end up with that one. Why would I watch Hallmark, lovey-dovey, cheesy movies? Because my wife likes to watch Hallmark, lovey-dovey, cheesy movies, and I like spending time with my wife. So because my wife likes it, and because I can spend some quality time with her, I do it. Laugh often. Have fun together. Discover similar interests, and then develop them. Listen, your spouse should be your best friend. You should like your spouse as much as you love them. All right, I'm giving you Ten Commandments for marriage. Today we're talking about the five do's. The fourth do, the fourth do is this listen without interrupting. Listen without interrupting. James chapter one and verse 19. James says, and I love brother James. He could be Brother Mike. (laughs) He just tells it like it is. He's just out there. He says, Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Communication is one of the three biggest issues in marriage. Pastor, what are the three biggest issues in marriage? The three biggest, the big three, the big three issues in marriage are finances, sex, and communication. So, communication is one of the big three, one of the big three issues in marriage. Let me give you some tips on communication. Now, this could have been a sermon all of its own. Are you ready? Tips on communication number one consider the best time to talk. And I'm not picking on you, ladies, but listen, ladies, you need to understand this. You want your guy to talk. First of all, most men only talk about half as much as the women do. It's a documented fact. And the problem is we run out of words, and the woman wants to talk, "Well, I're out of words. You're going to have to wait until tomorrow until my other words show up." <laughs> Sometimes I tell my wife, "I'm not mad, I'm just out of words. Consider the best time to talk. Here's a couple of hints. Not when you're angry. I seem to be able to find words when I'm angry. (laughs) Not when you're overly tired. And not when you first get home from work. If you're a stay-at-home mom, stay-at-home wife, If your husband's been working all day, don't bombard him when he walks through the door with the dishwasher overflowed and the washing machine quit, you know. Let him unwind a little bit. Consider the best time to talk. Number two, create a peaceful atmosphere. Tips for communication. Create a peaceful atmosphere. Atmosphere. And that's not with the TV going. And it's not while you're looking at Facebook. And it's not while your emotions are in overdrive. Create a peaceful atmosphere. Number three, concentrate on what's being said. Concentrate on what's being said. Give your spouse undivided attention. Look at them while they are talking. Be in the moment. Because your body language speaks louder than your words. Number four. Clarify what's being said. Clarify what's being said. Say back to your spouse... In the right tone. So this is what I'm hearing you say. Is that correct? And most of the time, it won't be. (laughs) So then you tell them, help me understand what you are saying. Help me understand what you are feeling. I'm getting under big time conviction right now. (laughs) See, I have to pray my sermons through before I preach them. The next one, choose your words and body language carefully. Proverbs chapter 21 verse 23 says, watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you'll stay out of trouble. Don't you love that? Here's what I know. You will never regret holding back ugly and unkind words. Here's something else to think about. You you know you know that large fish that you've seen on a plaque hanging on somebody's wall? He would still be in the water swimming if he would have just kept his mouth shut. <laughs> Think about that. And then compromise when necessary. Compromise when necessary. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 18 says, do everything within your power to live in peace with everyone. My father always said two things. When I was growing up, there were two things that I always, uh, that I remember my father always said. And the one, the number one thing that he always said was he would always say it takes two to argue and it takes two to start, or it takes two to argue and it takes two to fight. But Daddy Dennis said, but Daddy Bruce started. Daddy would say, yeah, but it takes two to argue and it takes two to fight. And if you don't argue back and if you don't fight back, there's no argument and there's no fight. It takes two to argue, it takes two to fight, no matter who started it. Second thing my daddy always used to say, and that is he used to say, you can be right or you can be happy. You can be right or you can be happy. Happy. How many know you don't always have to be right? I asked you this morning, what good is it to win an argument but lose your peace? Let me tell you. Let me be transparent again. I knew it was gonna happen. It always happens. We never argue in my house except when I'm preaching on marriage. And last night, my wife and I got in a little argument. wasn't a big one, but a little bitty argument. And guess what? It was over food. (laughs) How Chipotle did or didn't do what we ordered. (laughs) Of course, I had to be right. She's going to hear this, but (laughs) she had to be right. You can be right or you can be happy. What does it matter? What difference does it make? (laughs) One woman said she was happy. Oh, she was happy that she married Mr. Right until she found out his first name was Always. Compromise when necessary, and especially when it doesn't really matter. Anyway, sometimes we just need to agree to disagree. This happened 41 years ago, but it's like it was yesterday. I've I've remembered this, and I've tried to practice it for the last 41 years. 41 years ago, I was a 20-year-old pastor, and I show up at this church, and I become pastor of this church, and one of the men on the board, because it's a little tiny church, was a man who was 86 years old. And still on the board. Been on the board for 50 years. Little tiny church. Three positions on the board, three men in the church. Guess what? (laughs) His name is Brother Landis. Brother Landis. And I'll never forget our first board meeting. This 86-year-old man who could hardly stand. It took him a good 30 seconds to get on his feet. He looked at me and he said, I'm 86 and you're 20. Think about that. (laughs) I'm 86 and you're 20. He said, I'm going to promise you two things. We won't always see eye to eye. We won't always agree. That's promise number one. Promise number two. I will always disagree with you agreeably. That was 41 years ago. I've rehearsed that over and over and over in my mind. We may disagree, but can we disagree agreeably? Isn't that good? Thank you, Brother Landis in heaven. You're only 126 now. I'm out of time, but I'm not out of sermon. so here we go. Number five, lift each other up. Romans 14 and 19 says, aim for harmony and build each other up. Two, two suggestions right here, and then I'm done this morning. Number one, become your mate's number one cheerleader. You see, sometimes an affair happens because the spouse looks elsewhere for the validation that they weren't getting at home. Sometimes sex has absolutely nothing to do with an affair. Affairs hap- happen sometimes because the spouse looks elsewhere for the validation they aren 't getting you know, become your mate's number one cheerleader. When my wife is here, I know that if nobody gets if nobody gives me an amen, she will. I can tell you that after being elected to a church many years ago. The secretary of the church told me, he said, you know why I voted for you? I said, because I'm such a great preacher. She said, yeah, you're a good preacher, but that's not why I voted for you. I said, why would you vote for me? She said, I voted for you because I watched your wife. He said, we had a pastor that his wife would roam the halls while her pastor pastor husband was preaching. She said, that's what I saw. I looked over there, and I saw your wife sitting on the first row, and she was cheering you on. Become your major number one cheerleader. And, number two, and the second part of that is bear your burdens together. Bear your burdens together. In Ecclesiastes chapter number four, in verse number nine, it says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up, will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls. For he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a three-fold cord is not quickly broken. Here's what I know this morning. That is, number one, life is hard. But number two, it's easier when you have a compatible partner to help share the load. Would you stand with me this morning? Can I have some help on the the platform this morning, please? Everyone standing, please. Now, I'm giving you 10 commandments of marriage, five today and five next Sunday, but I also have an 11th commandment. Are you ready for the 11th commandment? I'll give it to you today, and I'll give it to you at the end next Sunday, too. Are you ready? How many's ready for the 11th commandment? Thou shalt not say to thy spouse, but pastor said... Lead me out of it. <laughs> I have enough troubles of my own. I make up another, enough problems of my own. Father, I just pray that you'll take the word of the Lord this morning. Take the word this morning, Father, that has been shared, Father. Some very practical things have been said, but Father, they are in line with your word. God, it is your, a marriage is your idea. And God, I know that you will equip us, Father, to be successful in this thing called marriage. Help us to receive your word. Help us to put your word into practice. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're married this morning, sitting by your companion, I would ask you, if you would, to take the hand of your companion this morning right now. Take the hand of your companion. Are you doing that? And I want you to I want you to pray this prayer out loud. I want you to pray this prayer out loud. Are you ready? Are you ready? Pray this prayer. God help me be the mate that my spouse needs me to be. Help me to become a giver and not just a taker. Reveal to me my weak areas. And help me to have the desire and the determination to work on this. If you prayed that prayer this morning in sincerity, I believe God heard you. And I believe that God will help you.